morning. Freedom is not free, is it? Freedom is uh, very, very costly. It costs uh, the blood of soldiers. It costs the blood of Christ, you know. And it's, it's Memorial Day weekend, and having barbecues is important. It's good to get together and celebrate uh, all that God uh, has, has done for us. Um, and Memorial Day in this is, is not really about God here, right? It's more about what soldiers have done and, and, and the lives that they've given to buy us our freedom. And it's important this Memorial Day to look at the cost, remember the soldiers, remember their families, and keep them in prayer. We've lost a lot of Americans. But as Christians, Memorial Day goes even further for us. As Christians, we know that our freedom comes through Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross. And so we have double the reason to celebrate. So this Memorial Day, let's thank God for the soldiers that have passed away, their families that have experienced tremendous loss. But let's be grateful for the freedom we have through Jesus Christ who gave his life that we might have true freedom. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads? And let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning and we thank you, Lord God, for the country that we live in. And we pray for our leadership, Lord God. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to them, that you would guide them, Lord God. That you would lead them as they lead this country, Lord Jesus. That you would give them wisdom, Lord God. Lord God, we pray for every family right now, Lord Jesus, that has lost a loved one, Lord God, as they've died serving this country, Lord God. We pray that today and this weekend you would strengthen them, Lord God. As they gather with family, Lord Jesus, they gather in sorrow, Lord God. As they remember their sons and their daughters and their mothers and their fathers, Lord Jesus. And so we just pray for them that you would strengthen them, Lord God, and be with them. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the freedom that we have in you. That you've broken every chain, Lord God. Not just for us in this country, Lord God, but everyone in the world, Lord Jesus, who would cry out to you. Lord Jesus, would you be honored this morning in this service? I pray that you would open up our hearts to hear from you, that you would turn our eyes to you, that you would speak to us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Charles, would you stand? Would you welcome Pastor Charles? He's from Ghana. And uh, he's with Abundant Life. Assemblies of God in Ghana, in Ghana and uh, uh, Dr. Charles, it's, it's our honor to have you here with us this morning. So welcome. I want to read to you from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It's a passage you've heard me read from a lot in the last three years. And today it is important. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and it says this, After the death of Moses... The servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites, and I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Skip to verse 5. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
Joshua and two million Israelites, as you know this story well because we've preached on this launching our Get Ready series three years ago, but they're camped on the east side of the flooding Jordan River. It's a critical point for them. They've been in the wilderness for 40 years, and they've been through a lot together. And all of it has come down to this, the moment of truth, the promised land is ahead of them. And then God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready. Never forget the first time I read this, I choked on it. And I choke on it every time. Because that's a mouthful. It's a huge mouthful. I know Moses struck the rock. I know Moses knew he wasn't going to inherit the promised land. Moses knew he was going to die, and he laid hands on Joshua. Joshua. But I struggle with this because this is not when you pull Moses. Nothing in this is when you pull Moses. This was a critical time. This had been their leader for 40 years. And Deuteronomy says this about Moses that Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor was his strength gone. means Moses was in good shape. I'm sure that two million Israelites were probably thinking the same thing. They had been following Moses and been under his leadership for 40 years. They knew him. They trusted him. It was under his leadership that their parents before them were freed after 430 years in slavery. It was under his leadership that they experienced so many different miracles. They were following God, but they were following God under Moses' leadership. And during this process, they had seen the parting of the Red Sea, the bitter waters made sweet, the miracle of manna, the miracle of quails, the miracle of water from a rock. It was under the leadership that they were led by a pillar of fire and of cloud, and that they received the Ten Commandments. Why would God do this? Ever wonder that? Why would God pull that leader at such a critical time? I remember preaching at three years ago and looking at it and, and, and begin to wrestle with that began to realize it's so easy for us to put our confidence in God's people, sometimes over God. It's easy for us to put our confidence in in pastors or spiritual leaders or teachers and counselors and begin to look at them instead of looking at at God. And I'm not saying that we don't trust God and that we don't love God, but sometimes the attitude is, man, if I can just get to the pastor... If I can get to the pastor to pray for me, if I get to this certain person to talk to me, and those are good and those are great things, and God's put uh, men and women of ministry into these positions for things like that, but it's never to take his place. The attitude should always be, man, all I need to do is get to God. Having that pastor pray or lead is an added perk, and they're there for leadership and pouring in, and so... When I think about this passage and I think about those words, it's like it almost seems like God was kind of callous in it, doesn't it? Joshua, Moses is dead, now get ready. Like, let's move on. It's like Joshua's like, oh, hold on, hold on. I mean, Joshua knew, but just think about the people. 40 years. 
I mean, they loved Joshua. Joshua was a phenomenal leader. He just wasn't the leader in that capacity. When you're about to do a new thing, there's something about having that leader there that's been with you 40 years. You kind of go, man, I'd just be a little bit more comfortable, right? Make it a little bit more easier. And three years as I wrestled with this, I, it was as if God was saying this to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead, but I am not. Moses is dead, but I am not. It was never about Moses. It wasn't Moses who led you. It wasn't Moses who delivered you. Moses was simply my servant. He was simply my tool for this season. I used him according to my plans to accomplish my purposes and my mission. And now his season for this time is done. But my season is not, nor will it ever be. It was never about Moses. As great as he was, as wonderful as he was, it was always been about God and his deliverance for his people. I preached this message three years ago. This particular passage has amazed me ever since. And I never realized why until a year ago. Last year in my office, um, God told me my time was coming to an end here. It was probably about June, and I was sitting in my office, and I just felt like God spoke to me in a moment and told me that I need to get ready. And in that moment, he told me that we need to get ready for the mission field. And it it made no sense to me at the time. You guys know, I've always had a heart for the mission field, but in that moment, as much as I love missions, I didn't have a country on my heart or even a people. And what I said to God was, this is no time for a leadership change. I said, God, as much as I love missions, this is crazy. This doesn't make sense. And it was in that moment that he brought that message right back to me that I preached two years earlier at that time. It was the message that we launched our whole Get Ready series off with. This was the very first message. And when I look back at that message, it didn't make any sense why I camped out about this leadership change I didn't realize that God was speaking to me and to Lori and I ahead of time. This time last year when God began to speak this to me, there was no offer on the building. There was certainly no idea of what building we would go or purchase And in that moment, as I was wrestling with God about this awkward time, God brought back that passage to me about Moses and Joshua. And I knew then why I had preached it. As I continued to wrestle with God about it, he brought back something else to me. 
Because I was wrestling with God, saying, God, this doesn't make sense to me. As he brought back that message about Moses and Joshua, he brought back a prophetic word that was given in January of 2015. Pastor Beth, Corey, and I were at the district office, and it's this, a, this is a prophetic word I've shared with you guys before. And at that district office, we were there for prayer and fasting, and we were praying together as a section, and I sat down in the chairs they were having the ministers do, and they gathered around us, and this gentleman, who doesn't know us very well, came up to me and said, in front of all of us, and said, Selwyn, I feel like God's given me something to share with you guys. And he said, I see this vision of you, and you're walking back and forth in front of a board with a profit and loss statement. And the numbers on this profit and loss statement weren't adding up. But God was calling you to do it anyway. At the time, that didn't make any sense to me because there was nothing like that going on, so I knew he was speaking of the future. But then the word went on, and it bothered me what was said next. Pastor Dion, who was the guy sharing this, said, And God wants you to know, Selwyn, that this is not about you. That this is not about the name of a church, it's about my kingdom. And I walked out of that meeting frustrated because I thought, why would God need to tell me that this is not about me? The one thing I have said repeatedly since I've been here and you guys have heard, is that this is not my church. I've said that countless times. I've said it because I know God's told me to say it. I've said it because I need to hear it. I've said it because you guys need to hear it, that this is his church. So I wondered why God would need to say that to me. I got concerned. I thought, am I going to hijack his church? Am I, is God going to do something amazing, and then I'm going to get some big head and go, no, you know, it's about me. And I remember I went back to the staff um, those who weren't there with us, and, and I even went to the board and I said, guys, here's this prophetic word that was given, but something was said that's bothering me. I was told that it was not about me, and I know it's not about me. So why would God need to say that to me? And I warned the staff and I warned the board. I said, we need to be careful that we don't make this about ourselves. I need to be careful that I don't make this about me. And in that moment, as I was wrestling with God about this awkward time, I was like, this is not the time for a leadership change. God brought that prophetic word back to my mind. And then I felt like you asked me, and this is just a conversation going in my head, I felt like you asked me, Selwyn, why not? And my response is, because what if the church falls apart? And then he asked me again, is this about you? Was this about me? He asked me, Selwyn, is this church built on you? My first response is always, no, it's not. Then why would you think that you're the critical cornerstone? In that moment, I knew why I had heard that word. What didn't make sense to me at that point, a year earlier, now made perfect sense. This is why God said it. 
Selwyn, this is not about you. I went home to Lori and I said, Lori, are we done here? And Lori said for the first time ever, you got to understand, over the course of 10 years, there's frustrations that come in sometimes where you get exhausted and I'll go to Lori and I'll go, Lori, man, I think we're done. And she'll go, no, we're not. She said, that's just you. But I went home to Lori and I said, Lori, I feel like God said that we're done. It doesn't make any sense. And she said, you know what, someone? I think we are. I'm a guy that's goal-oriented. I like to know where we're going. And it just didn't make sense. You guys know one thing we've learned over the last three years is God's ways of leading us don't always make sense. Like you can't see the other side. I love that he led the Israelites by a cloud and by fire. Because you know what's cool? What's interesting about a cloud is that a cloud, when it's on the ground, you can't see beyond it. You know what I mean? And you know what's interesting about a fire? Fire in the nighttime is bright, and brightness kind of blinds you. Like all you can see is around that flame, and you can't see beyond that. And I find it interesting that, that he led them by this cloud where they couldn't see beyond. And so in the midst of all of this praying about selling the building and, and the new building, God was doing something which is crazy in our own lives that was crazy for the church and crazy for us. Lori and I began to take steps going towards what we felt God might be saying. And we uh, made an appointment to go and see Bob Wise, our district superintendent. And so Lori and I went and saw him and uh, sat with him. And I said, Pastor Bob, and, and he knows everything that's going on with this church. I said, you know where we are as a church. You know what's going on. I said, but I've got to tell you something. I feel like God has said something to me. And I said, and it feels crazy, but this is the confirmation he's given me with Moses and Joshua and this prophetic word. I said, but tell me I'm crazy. Because I cannot afford to mess this up. I cannot afford to be wrong for the church. I cannot afford to be wrong for my family. And I won't move forward unless I have your blessing on this. And so he sat with me and he said, Selwyn, he said, it does sound like God. I came back. We came back that night. I met with the staff that next staff meeting, and I shared with the staff what I felt God was saying. I met the next month with the deacons, and I shared with the deacons in October what I felt God was saying. You guys need to understand something. Everything that we've done in this church, we've done as a team. The only team I've had has been my team of staff and my team of deacons. And this was something that involved them and it involved the church. And so I met with them and I said, guys, I'm not sure about this. But this is what I feel God is saying. And I need you guys to pray. I need you to pray with me, pray with the church, pray, pray for our family, pray that God's will be done. I am fine with God closing the door on this. I'm fine with him opening the door on this. But I need to know, we need to know what God's will is in this. And so the board and the staff started praying with us. 
but they were told to keep it in the strictest of confidences. After the last eight to nine months of watching the board move and the staff move, they have walked a path of faith like never before, knowing what could be around the corner and praying our way through it. When the board tells you and the staff tell you they've been praying and fasting, I want you to know they've been praying and fasting. As we started taking steps, it was, I think, the next day after that board meeting that an offer came in for 158 Washington Street. And things began to become revealed to us because that offer was that profit and loss statement that was said in that vision. Remember that vision of walking back and forth going, hey, this doesn't make sense? All of that began to come about. The offer came in. It didn't make sense, but God was asking us to do it. And then the rest of that vision came true too when God said, someone, this isn't about you And it's not about the name of a church. At that point in time, we weren't looking at leasing a church. We were looking at going into a warehouse. But now when you look back, you go, man, we are GT in Bethany. And so God, as we started taking steps towards what God had for Lori and I, things began to happen for the church. And you guys know, I want to say the rest of the story, but the story is not over. As we started walking towards this, Bethany came up and basically GT came to rest and found a home here at Bethany. But this story is only half written. So where are... Lori and uh, Michael and I going. That's what we had to ask God too. There's nothing more unnerving about God saying you're done and I'm calling you to missions, but I'm not telling you where. That's kind of an important decision to fly blind on. And uh, I didn't know really what to do. We felt our hearts in two different places. We thought, well, maybe it's the Pacific or maybe it's Latin America, but I didn't know that that was from God because we've lived in both places, and that could just be flesh. That could just be Selwyn. And so I called, I, 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 I responded to uh, Assemblies of God World Missions and said to them, guys, all we know is that we feel like God is bringing on a season of missions for us. John Mustachio, um, who's one of the missionaries we actually support, I didn't even know he was in this area, called us almost immediately and said, Selwyn, is this really you guys? And he said, listen, there's a huge need in Peru, and we don't have seasoned pastors. We never get seasoned pastors, hardly ever, to go to missions. We desperately need you guys. I thought to myself, I don't know anything about Peru. I don't feel like Peru is, so I went home and said, Lori, does Peru sound right to you? And Lori said, said, no, Peru doesn't sound right to me. So I called John back, and I said, no, it's not Peru. 
You have to understand, I've said no to God on everything. And I prided myself in thinking I'd finally quit doing that. Apparently, I haven't. During this process of moving forward, we had to go and meet with the district um, about missions. And we went to have that first district meeting. And they interviewed us, and they asked us our story. We just told them. We told them honestly. We're like, guys, we don't even know where God's calling us. And they just all, they were supposed to be grilling us, and they just all sat in silence and said, no, we know God's in this. Which was great for them, but not so great for us because we still didn't know where we were going. We walked out of that meeting, and this missionary couple came up to us, and they said, were you guys just in Peru? Which irritated us a little bit. We got in the truck, and Lori said to me, she said, we just come back from a cruise from the Caribbean. And she said, someone, why would they ask us that? And I said, I don't know. So I said, I thought about it, and I said, you know, God's laid two areas, I think, on our hearts. It's the Pacific and Latin America. And then I realized Peru was on the Pacific, yet it was in Latin America. And so we prayed that day in the truck coming home. Said, God, if we've been idiots and said no again, would you inundate us with Peru? Some of you are looking at me because some of you guys confirmed this. We were driving home that night. I said, just inundate us with Peru. And I got home, and Lori was telling my mom about what was going on. And I'm going through my emails, and we got an email from Dan from Chi Alpha, and I just opened it. Now, Chi Alpha is an American college missions, and there's a girl holding a photo saying, I love Peru, in the email. And as Lori's looking at my mom, I go, Lori, you're not going to believe this. And I showed it to her. I talked to Dan for the first time two days ago, and I was telling him what was going on. He told me that that story was two years old, and he just decided to send it out that day. We came back. We had a finance committee meeting, and we walked into that finance committee meeting. And Steve Higgins, you remember what you asked me when I walked into that committee meeting? You probably don't, but the first thing out of your mouth was, Selwyn, were you just in Peru? That was the same day that we just asked God to inundate us and confirm it. I'm not trying to put people in the spot. Raz came up to us the next day to Lori and said, Lori, were you in Peru? And Raz, I don't know if Raz is here. I can't see Raz anywhere. But this will now explain Lori's response. Do you remember Lori's response? She probably looked a little irritated. And you probably didn't know, why would you be irritated about me asking if you were Peru? This was all in that same 24-hour period that we had just prayed this. And Lori's like, no, we weren't in Peru. The next day, I was driving with Lori, and I said, Lori, we've been seasoned Christians for a while. How much does God have to save us if this is what he's doing? And then, within a couple of hours, my mom sent me a, a picture that she had taken. Now, she knows what we, were, what we had said, but it had said, Cusco, Peru, but the tagline, there was a Geico commercial. You know these Geico commercial taglines? Now, I'm not trying to spiritualize a Geico commercial. Not that God can't speak through geckos, because he certainly did this time. 
But that silly line said this, need I say more, right after we had said that. So I'm kind of stubborn. So I was only 60% there. Um, I called John back. I said, John, we may have spoken too soon about Peru. What is the need in Peru? And there are 2.5 million unreached Quechua people spread out over 500 villages in the mountains and jungle that have never heard the name of Jesus. And they just put missionaries in Cusco uh, eight months ago. They said the next five to ten years is critical that we get people over there to get this message out. And they are building a team right now of pastors and other missionaries that we can take. They said there's an openness right now that's never been there before. And so they said, you guys are on answer to prayer. And we need you guys. We went down to... Um, Springfield in March because there's a series of interviews and we went down there still not 100% still praying God open and close doors according to his will and uh, after going through the interviews they asked us about how we came up with Peru we told them the stories and they fell in love with the story and they said we've been praying for Peru for a long time and you guys are an answer to prayer we were appointed as Assemblies of God World Missionaries shortly after to Peru. They asked us if we could start right away, and we said there's no way we can start right away. For me, I was wrestling between what is stewardship of God's church and what is control, because sometimes they can look like the same thing. I could blame stewardship, and it's just someone being in control. So I said, guys, I, we need more time. I, I need to get this, the church landed and settled, but I said, whatever you guys determine is what we'll take from the Holy Spirit as being what he wants to do. And so they said, well, when, when can you start? And you need to understand that by start, they mean start a year-long fundraising. You have to raise your own budget. And so um, they've asked if we can start. They put it off, which they never do, um, till September. And so... Um, Lori and uh, our family will start um, raising our budget in September, which means that our last Sunday here will be August 7th of this year. And uh, I want to ask Lori if she'll come up at this moment. I want you guys to know that this is not an easy thing for us. You guys are more than a church. You guys are our family. We've been here a total now 16 years. Our family, our kids have grown up here. Um, there's going to be a challenge for us ahead, and there's a challenge for you guys ahead. But I feel like God has said very clearly to me, there are seasons, guys, for everything. You don't build a house with a hammer. But you certainly do use a hammer in some of those, some of the stages. There was a season for Moses, and we certainly aren't Moses. But there was a season for him. And after God put Moses to the side, there was a little bit of uneasiness in the Israelites. And then God did it again. And he 
did something amazing in Joshua and did something amazing in the Israelites as they crossed that Jordan. And in that uncertainty, he built his people and they took Jericho and they took the promised land. I feel like God has said clearly to me, someone, if you do not go now, what I have for this church will not happen. Sometimes God, a lot of times God moves and there's a shifting and in that shifting, God raises new people. Obedience is everything, guys, in the Christian life. Obedience when it's not comfortable. Obedience when you don't have all the answers to all the questions. And our worship is only as pure as our obedience. We can stand here with arms raised, sing at the top of our voices, but if we're not moving in obedience, our worship is nothing to God. I want to tell you, I come into this building and I look and I see the opportunities and I see the the size. There's a big portion of me that says, man, I want to see this happen. There's an emptiness sometimes where I go, man, I know it's going to happen. Although we may not be here, we'll always have a part of it. But I am convinced that this is just the necessary step. And the next phase of this church, it's a new season. Our season here is finished. But God's season is never finished. And his plan is never over. And the story of this church is only just beginning. And there are great things ahead. And I want to encourage you guys. To shift your eyes completely to him. This church has never been about us. It's been about God. And God will do amazing things through each of you if we will move in obedience to him. Before I give it to Lori, I just want to say to you guys, we've done some faith moves in our lives the faith move of you guys will forever go down the history of my mind as one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. To see a church that's 91 years old, that's been in a building for 84 years, shift their eyes to God and get out of the boat has been amazing. Pastors come up to me and say, how many people did you lose? I say, we didn't lose anyone. And they said, that's impossible. I said, that's the truth. What you guys have done and your obedience to God and getting out of the boat as we walked on water together and God provided in an amazing way. We tell you that it wasn't a pastoral team member that did that. It wasn't the board that did that. We each played our roles in daring to trust God and you played your role in daring to trust God. And God moved like never before. And each of us must continue to dare to trust God and to take the steps that he calls us to even when they do not make a whole lot of sense. Because we've seen how faithful God is. This is not about the name of the church. This is about his kingdom. That's true for Lori and I and that's true for each of you. God's going to call you guys to boldly take steps when it doesn't make any sense in your respective areas and your lives. But it has been the greatest honor 
And you still got me for two months, so this is the end. But two months, you'll be ready to get rid of me, I promise. But it's been the greatest honor of our lives to run these last 10 years with you guys. Um, you know, as uh, Selwyn and I were praying and asking God to close the door and keep the door open, um, it was with heavy hearts that this came about because when we come here and we look at you and we see what God has done through you all, and it's, he's right, it's not been about the board or the staff. It's been beautiful sitting here watching God work in all of you because we did it all together. And you as a body of Christ have grown. And when we come together and assemble together in this building that God placed us in, in the middle of Quincy Center, the possibilities are endless. And they are wide open as to what God will do through you in continuing his story here. And the only thing that is extremely, one of the biggest, not the only, one of the biggest things is that we will miss being a part of that. We won't physically be here. But I can tell you spiritually, we will be all in. Because <laughs> in Vanuatu, I prayed for you guys like you've never before. <laughs> I would sit and watch Courtney and Michael swim because for me, I had to swim in that big dress, remember? <laughs> so I just gave it up. You know, you'd think you'd want to go swimming in the tropics, but no, not that. So I would pray and I would look at the ocean way out there and no land to be seen. And I would just cover you all in prayer. Like never before, and I will do the same again because you're right here and you always will be, always. And uh, I mean, my kids have grown up with you all. You're all a part of us. You're in our DNA. So, uh, but at the same time, when we left Vanuatu and to come back here with the possibility of being the senior pastor, I looked at someone and I said, I don't want to go if God, that isn't what God has for us. Even though I was having a difficult time there. And it's the same way now. You don't want to go unless you know that it, you know that you know that this is your time to go. And it has been confirmed that this is our time to go. So with heavy hearts, we say to you that we will miss you, but at the same time, we get to spend eternity together, and that's a huge plus. But we are so overwhelmingly excited because we have seen you grow. Mm -hmm. We are excited at how you are going to take Quincy, and not just Quincy, but the whole South Shore for the kingdom of Amen. God. I mean, it is going to happen. It is in the air when we come together. You can feel it here. And you guys are going to do that. Just stay focused. Don't let Satan get you off focus. And just keep your eyes on God, and he will show you the path he has for us, for you all here. If I could ask the board and Pastor Rennie to come at this time. greatest time for this church I'm convinced is ahead 
But it's like God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. He will give you every place that you step. And he will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God's plan for this church is not over. But it is a new season. Amen? morning. All right. Well, I said to the board last week that um, this was not going to be an easy Sunday. And it's not. But there is something that I believe to cheer you up this morning from this news you've just heard. Many of us on the board have had the privilege of working with Pastor Selwyn and Lori for several years now. And we've had the opportunity and the privilege to see their heart, to get to understand them a little bit better than a lot of you to enjoy their friendship. And so we can say a couple of things about them that maybe some people may not know. But there are two things that stand out. The first one is their love for God and God's people. They have shown that to us in every conceivable way. There are some of you who, Pastor Selwyn and Laurie are the only pastors, senior pastors that you've known since you've been here. There are some of you that have shared things with them that you've never shared with anybody else. So it's not going to be easy. We know that. So that love that they've shown to you is what, one of the things that set them apart. Now, the second one, and this is the one that I believe should cheer you up. The second one is their obedience to God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. It is that obedience that would make them come out this morning and say, what they have sent to you. For a lot of people, it wouldn't make sense. But Pastor Selwyn and Laurie are people who would rather obey God and do what he's asked them to do, even if it killed them. No matter how difficult it is, they are willing to do that because they are willing to be obedient to God. And the reason I say this should cheer you up is there is no greater message that could have been preached here today or at any other time than that. This action should be a message to you more than any other message you have ever heard. 
it's all about God. It's all about Christ. It's all about obeying his will, even when it doesn't seem to make any sense. And that is why we as the board can stand up here this morning and not be bawling our eyes out like some of you are doing. Because we've had that rare privilege to have walked with them and seen how they move in obedience to God's word. I'm sure you have a million questions running through your mind right now. The hows and whys and what questions. I'm sure there are so many of them. We as the board, we don't have the answers for you. At least not right now. There is only one question that we have an answer for today. I'm sure some of you are asking that question in your mind today. Will the church be okay? Will we be okay? We do have an answer for that one. And the answer is yes. And the reason we will boldly say that is exactly because of what Pastor Sandy has said to you this morning. It's not about him. It's not about Lori. It's not about any one of us. It's about Christ. And I know that this church is a church of people who love the Lord. And his word says, no eyes have seen, no ears have heard, and no mind can even fathom what he has in place for those who love him. And so because of that, I can say to you, yes, the answer to that question is yes. We, as a church, will be okay. Today, what we're witnessing is not a loss of Pastor Selwyn and Laurie. No, what we're witnessing is an extension of Glad Tidings Church. God is expanding our coast. That is exactly what is happening. I am, I am very, very confident in that a few, in a few years from now, most of you will be lining up to go on a mission trip to Peru. I'm pretty confident. So God is expanding our coast. And so for that, we have to give glory to him this morning. In spite of how sad you may be, this is all about God. So in the next few months, here's what's going to happen. We don't have the answers, like I said. But we are going to start working with the district. The board is going to have more frequent meetings. We're going to go into planning. We're going to go into prayer. And we will begin to focus on God and have him walk us through this one step at a time. But here's what we're going to ask you to do. And I'm going to hand over the, phone, the microphone to, to Nick in a second so he can talk to you about how we're going to pray. But we need you to pray. We need you to pray like you've not prayed before. Mm-hmm. We need you to pray for Pastor Selwyn and Lori and Michael and Courtney and Mac and all of the Bodleys. We need you to pray for them every single day, every opportunity you have. We need to pray for Pastor Rennie and Smither, every opportunity you have. And we want you to pray for the board. We cannot do this unless God directs us, unless the Holy Spirit directs us. We can't get it wrong. So we need you to pray for the, for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that he will lead us 
as we go through this transition. I'm going to ask Nick to say a word, and I'm going to have um, Pastor Rennie say something. Um, and then we're going to pray for, uh, for Pastor Selwyn and Laurie. So, Nick. Hello, everybody. I'm Nick Crabb. I'm one of the deacons here. Um, you know, like Doc said, we don't have all the answers, you know, but I know that God is in control, and God does have all the answers. Um, I find it amazing today that the prophetic word came from the book of Revelations, which is sort of the last book of the Bible, and here we are celebrating the last chapter of Selwyn and Lori at this church. So to me, that really just spoke that God is in complete control. God knows the future of this church, and he knew it before any of us even stepped foot in the doors here. So amen for that, and praise God for that. Um, I can just speak on my behalf, and I think on everybody's behalf here, just to say that it's a blessing and an honor to have shared these chapters with Selwyn and Lori, and just an amazing thing to be a, a part of their lives and have them be a part of our lives. So, so that's just an amazing thing. So what I'd invite us all to do is, the board doesn't have all the answers, but we know that God does. So we're asking that each and every person here, if this is home for you, if Glad Tidings is home, if we're your brothers and sisters, we ask that you pray and fast on Tuesdays and Thursdays for lunch. So to give up that meal and to spend that time in prayer, to unbusy yourself just for that hour of the day, to pray and to seek and to, and to hear out what God has for us to do as far as a direction in leadership at this church. Because I believe that God has amazing things for us, and I believe that we all think the same way. So let's just, let's just be in one accord and, and be in prayer and fasting, again, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, with what God will have for us here at Glad Tidings Church. I'm going to pass the microphone to Rennie. Yeah, Rennie will close us out uh, with a song. Um, but at this time, I think we'll, what we're going to do is we're going to pray for them. Smitha, would you come up for, for a second? Mm-hmm. Folks, would you stand and just stretch your hands um, to us, Pastor Selwyn and Laurie. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we come to you this morning. We just want to give you glory. We know this is a difficult, difficult day. For some of us here. But we see your hand upon all of this. And we trust you, Lord. We trust you. We trust you that you will keep Pastor Selwyn and Laurie and Michael safe wherever you're taking, to them, taking them. We trust, Lord, that you will use them as your instrument to build your kingdom. We trust that you will use them to reach those people that who do not know you to bring them into the kingdom of God. To save lives, countless lives, There are so many unreached people out there. We ask, oh, Father God Almighty, would you make them a very strong weapon, the strongest weapon, oh, Lord, against the enemy? Would you make their path, oh, Lord, straight for them? Would you lead them every step of the way? 
Every thought, O Lord, may they be ordered by you. Every footstep may be ordered by you. We activate the angels of hosts right now to surround them, providing protection, O Lord, against every adversity, O Lord, every plan of the enemy. The word says no weapon that is fashioned against us shall prosper. Father, that is your word, and we stand upon that this morning. We know the enemy is not going to be happy about this. For they are taking grounds for the kingdom of God. And so we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will build a shield around them, O Lord, and keep them safe. Keep them safe, O Lord. And Father, we know they don't have all the answers, O Lord, but the answers come from you. Holy Spirit, would you speak to them night and day? Would you guide them and keep them safe, Lord? In the name of Jesus. Father God Almighty, we trust you this morning for this church. Father, as we begin to deal with this, oh Lord, we pray for everybody that is here today. Would you speak to our hearts, oh Lord? This is a message like no other. May we come to understand this message, oh Lord. May this be a testament, oh Lord, to all of us of how important it is to obey you to trust you, even when it's uncomfortable. Would you use this, O Lord, to bring us up, all of us, O Lord. Shore up our faith, O Lord, like no other time. We pray for Pastor Rennie and Smither. Mighty Lord, would you come, O Lord, and uphold them right now as we go through this transition, O Lord. Would you empower them? Would you lead them? Would you speak to them? Would you come and cover them with the blood of Jesus Christ, O Lord? That in one accord, O Lord, as we move forward, O Lord, we are trusting you. And our eyes are fixed on you and you alone. Do not allow us to be distracted, O Lord, by anything. Do not allow us to be sidetracked by the enemy, O Lord, in any way. But that, that we will focus on you. And when it's all said and done, Lord, may the name of the Almighty yes. God, yes, God. Yes. may the matchless name of Jesus Christ yes. be glorified. Yes, God. And may the kingdom of God be expanded, O oh Lord, because of what you have done in this place today. Have your way, Lord, throughout this process as we give you all glory and all honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take you at His word, just to rest upon His promise, and to know the same.